Welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Covering space as a part of journalism can be extremely challenging because one you have to deal with collecting and collating information that is given by an organization like ISRO and then present it to the public and very often you are dealing with limited information. On the other side, you also need to have a very good grip on the fundamentals of space activities and how they affect the public. In this episode of the New Space India podcast, I talked to my friend Vasudevan Mukund, who is the science editor of The Wire, about the challenges in journalism while covering space as a sector in India. Vasu, welcome to this episode of the New Space India podcast. Thank you very much for taking some time out to recording this episode with me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, NP. You have been covering a lot of the related uh, aspects for space for The Wire. for quite some time now yeah i wanted to get a feeling from you on what do you think journalistically the quality of journalism of people covering space do you think uh, you know when you compare that with uh, many other uh, regions or journalists across the world mm-hmm. um, what do you think is the difference between the landscape of journalists covering space in india versus others I think a big determinant of the shape of this landscape is uh, the extent to which and the quality of the information that is available in the public domain or even if not in the public domain to journalists um for example I recently saw Emily Lakravala's tweets on Twitter uh, where she had described you know her visit to see the Mars 2020 rover up close at NASA's invitation you know and I found out shortly after that ISRO had done something similar with Chandrayaan 2 uh but beyond that itself you know the amount of information that's coming out of isro does not support in-depth journalism uh, at least not until you can expend a lot more resources and a lot more time pursuing such stories because the quality and the amount of information coming out is not sufficient as well as the access to isro scientists and other space scientists in india is not sufficient i mean of course there are notable exceptions for example you have astrophysicists from the indian institute of astrophysics in bangalore so aside from that you know that i would say is the biggest difference uh the amount of information that we work with to compose our stories for example i mean these are all sort of canonical examples in india in the sense that you know people always talk about how isro came out and did a lot of outreach and you know undertook a lot of sort of publicity exercises just ahead of the launch of its mars orbiter mission uh, i think that was 2013 14 but then after the mission launched everything completely dropped off and all that we had coming out of the mars orbiter mission was basically sporadic photos some this or that scientific paper once in a while but aside from that you know there's not been much and the same thing i think is happening now or maybe it's too soon to say with chandrayaan 2 but you know i don't think anybody is going to be surprised if you know this continues to be the state of affairs with chandrayaan 2 so you know this i would say is the biggest difference now the more information that you put out in the public domain the more stories it's not just that you know you have journalists or writers who are going to cover stories based on that information they're not they're not just going to say you know uh, isro just said this and it becomes a report no I mean there are a lot of different ways in which you can put different bits of information together to compose different kinds of stories so basically that sort of variety is lacking right now which i think is a direct function of the amount of information that journalists have to work with so that would i say is the principal difference so that is of course the aspect of uh, the amount of information that is put out by isro but the other bit is of course uh, i would also argue for the training of journalists and uh, the the training of uh, people who are doing science journalism itself 
No, yeah, definitely there is a qualitative difference there. So if you zoom in a little, yes, that's what it looks like. There are uh, two sets of problems. One set has to do with the amount of information that's available. The other set has to do with, you know, how well journalists themselves are able to cover the space sector. But to me, if you zoom out a little bit, both these things are connected. The more information you put out, the better journalism there is going to be. Absolutely, yeah. And in fact, you know, I mean, even complaining about how, you know, journalists, for example, there was this thing recently, I think it was with uh, Chandrayaan, I'm not exactly sure, uh, had to do with basically how Satish Dhawan was sort of uh, lampooned in the press when the SLB failed. I think there is somewhat of a greater understanding right now about how difficult it is to work stuff like space. But at the same time, you know, to me, yeah, like I said earlier, both these things are connected. The more information you put out, the better journalism there is going to be. Because people will also have to sort of, like when you, when you starve the public of information or when you starve journalists of information, what happens is that they start inventing. They have their incentives that incentivize invention. Uh, you know, you have, uh, otherwise you have, uh, you know, nationalistic stuff like the sort that happened after the Chandrayaan to surface mission failed. If there had been more information in the public domain then, then there would have been much, a lot less room to be able to go out on a limb and say, you know, Indians might walk on the moon someday or, the, uh, you know, the whole mission was a 95% success, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So when you look at uh, the lack of information itself, do you think mm. that's, a, that's a very policy level decision or is this something that is... Uh, you know, by nature, not just a fact of the way ISRO as an institution works, or is this across the board for every, uh, you know, organization supported by the government for research? In India, yes, uh, that much is true. But, you know, I don't know if it's a policy level thing. Yeah, there are some policy level problems in the sense that, for example, you know, there is a government government policy uh, that pertains to DST institutions. Uh, which basically says that, and DSIR institutions, of course, the CSIR, etc., which basically says that unless you are criticizing some government initiative or policy, all scientists are free to speak to the press uh, without having to seek the permissions of the superiors or whatever. But at ISRO, I don't know if, I mean, it appears to me that that's not the case because people there appear to, seem to be a lot more tight-lipped. For example, even as we saw recently during the Chandrayaan 2 uh, events in September, was that you had news sources quoting unnamed ISRO, ISRO officials, which is, you know, which sort of rouses suspicion that it's maybe a form of access journalism or the stories were being planted. Or more often than not, the only named person who was speaking to the press was K7, who is the chairman. So, yeah, certainly there is a policy level problem. And aside from that, yeah, there is also a resource level problem in the sense that, you know, NASA has a lot more to work with. It is a much, much larger organization um, than the than ISRO itself. And at that scale, with those resources, yes, it's able to accomplish a lot more. But that cannot be an excuse to not even improve over time. For example, very, very little things. For example, the quality of the cameras that ISRO uses around its launch pad. Or for example, it's it's only very recently set up the viewing gallery at Sri Rikota. So, you know, I also heard that recently they stopped sending out their quarterly newsletters. So it seems like it's a combination of both things, policy as well as resources. But even when there are opportunities, even when there appear to be opportunities, uh, when the organization can do better, more often than not, it does not, which does not inspire much confidence, you know. Do you think it's a matter of, uh, you know, protecting some kind of uh, national interest in the sense that this is all related to some sort of a security issue or that is one of the reasons why most of these policymakers back out from sharing any of this information or? If that is their prime concern and if it is a legitimate concern, then I would ask them to at least specify the boundary conditions. You know, tell me where information will drop off. 
instead of this near constant ambiguity where i don't know one world ends and the other one begins you know at least if you tell me that you know this is how much we can share with you for these reasons you know just draw the line somewhere and always hold that line then it's fine but you don't have that right it seems almost as if if something bad happens then suddenly a line a line appears you know it seems like a red herring even if there is that strong demarcation that's available i mean that's only good for everyone right i mean if you have a civil civilian space program it's good to sort of separate that from a military program and so at all levels that distinction should be strong and it should be specified that we may not be able to tell you exactly what happened but this is the reason and we will always hold this line if if that was the case you know that's that's easier to work with because you know that has a greater sense of predictability you know what to expect and what not to expect but that doesn't seem to be the case there's a lot of ambiguity about a lot of things let's talk about actually also the access to journalism itself so when you talked about uh, you know getting information and making available information one of the things that uh, could be interesting if there's no policy of an organization to put out information is for people to then ask questions uh, to people in that organization right so right right in that sense when you look at uh, who gets access to isro either it could be interviews or it could be like mm. uh, you know tv blurbs or things like that Mm. it's only a very select group of people in india at the moment and i think that really uh, impedes the uh, kind of questions that they ask and the kind of narrative that they put out because there there isn't any culture of actually asking very strong questions and uh, and in fact you know more important than that very strong follow up right the question here is how could we evolve this ecosystem where people can ask questions and more importantly very good follow up okay so i should start off by saying that there is no shortage of questions <laughs> um and there is no shortage of people who want to ask follow up questions as well you know who want to follow a story for a long time but irrespective of what we want to do unless the people on the other side of the aisle sort of open themselves up none of this matters because even now for example if i had to say that you know someone was practicing access journalism uh, you know so that they are allowed access to someone within isro to speak to uh, and there is a sort of implicit uh, agreement that uh, the journalist will not ask any tough questions even in that sort of setup the incentive there is access and that incentive should be removed i mean journalists also you're expected to publish a lot of stories and if the only way you can get stories about the space program is if you suck up to it uh, then that's not going to work so the people on the other side really have to open themselves up that's the only way out you and i are part of uh, you know many circles you know have to do with space and space flight and stuff like that we have many circles in common and even if you look there there is no shortage of people who have there is no shortage of tough questions but always the bottleneck is that where do you ask them there is the occasional press conference but even then questions are limited and aside from that yeah i mean you really have to you know sort of uh, move through informal cha- channels and such so if the other side does not open itself up to questions i think right now the ball is in their court We're waiting for them to act so do you think uh... you know the kind of journalism for example that you do uh, you do a lot of uh, pieces that are kind of uh, very good critiques of uh, many of the aspects of the space program and you ask kind yeah. of interesting questions and also deliberate on interesting information uh, that is lying all, all around you and, and you piece it together so i feel right. like uh, this is more of uh, a citizen science journalism rather than uh, uh, because you're kind of forced to do citizen science journalism right yeah i mean uh, you don't have access to people you can't talk to them directly and get your questions answered so you you know google and talk to other people stuff like that yeah 
one of the interesting things there is actually you know let's take an example for example mm-hmm. right so when you look at uh, from you know an isro's perspective or from a high level policy maker or a decision maker within the government mm-hmm. let's say when you ask a basic question like tell me how many operational satellites are today working in in space which are indian assets mm-hmm. and that could be a very tricky question uh, to them because uh, somebody who is uh, kind of a person who says okay this is a, a piece of information that uh, is related to the security of the country or the kind of services that these satellites uh, provide may say you know i don't want to tell that uh, piece of information uh, publicly mm. and so that uh, kind of data that go it, you know it fades away from the uh, from the public and it's not available then but then it's kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because uh, you know every other country has enough number of assets in space that tells them which you know asset is functional or not functional so i think you know when it comes to how these play out i often feel that this is kind of the format of uh, how conversations evolve and and most of the time the lack of information is we kind of shooting ourselves in the foot yeah no i mean that thing you mentioned about how other countries have various assets that make it easier to sort of deduce you know how many satellites india might have uh, stuff like that which we also saw with the vikram lander uh, incident those things are weird actually uh, because there seems to be a mismatch in sort of you know there seems to be a reluctance to acknowledge that the information is available via other you know sources so i really don't know how to make sense of that uh, i mean if yeah. if if i had access to a scientist i would be able to not scientist sorry some you know senior person at isro i would i would really ask like to ask them this and i mean these guys are really smart uh, and they must know that even if they don't say something it must be you know uh, there are other ways to obtain that information other very le- legal ways to obtain that information so i also wonder sometimes if they don't say it because they don't know whether they're allowed to say it because for example when the asat test happened that was i think uh, the first time you had someone from drdo come out and talk about space stuff at least in recent years uh, whereas for everything else uh, you know we're going to isro every time something goes up into space uh, whereas isro is supposed to be at least certainly to a large extent a civilian space program i'm sure it also works with the military although i don't know for sure but yeah so the thing i'm trying to get at is that you know i'm curious if there is sort of a clearance issue involved but that these guys are simply playing it safe uh, by not coming out and sharing all that they can uh, whether you know there is some other level of information control that would be missing here what are the kind of tools that you use today to pick up information and process it and you know given the state of affairs what platforms tools do you use to pick up information around a theme that you are working and then put out your piece well the first thing is google <laughs> so recently i also started using celestrack uh, i started working with uh, playing around with tles Uh, figuring out uh, you know how satellites are mapped and what kind of information you can infer from you know these uh, i mean these tool and element sets are available in the public domain i didn't know that uh, and you can get that data for all satellites uh, that are up there even for you know pieces of satellites as well as for debris and after the asat test i sort of started playing around with, with that and that's been sort of a rich source of information apart from that piecing together these stories is basically i also use a couple crawlers both sort of off the shelf Uh, that i use because uh, many of these uh, documents sort of uh, that are available on the isro website i shouldn't say isro website they're available on an government on a government domain but they're not always easily findable but they're still you know not password protected or any such thing 
crawlers have been useful to sort of dig up those documents. Uh, you just let them run on a particular domain and you throw up all the PDFs that are available. So that's been, uh, and apart from that, of course, there's Twitter, WhatsApp, last but definitely not the least, uh, Reddit. Uh, the groups on Reddit, the ISRO subreddit in particular is fantastic. There are a lot of people, a lot of very knowledgeable people discussing stuff there by themselves, mostly sort of pulling together the little bits that each of them knows so that together they know a lot. And if you visit that subreddit, you'll be able to see, you know, like there is a little tidbit that comes out from ISRO, you know, some senior ISRO member who spoke somewhere in a conference and said something. And suddenly you have a lot of people jumping on that and sort of stitching it together with other details that they remember from different times uh, to piece together a story. For example, that's how I know everything I know uh, about uh, ISRO's uh, reusable launch vehicles program. So, yeah, so these are, this I would say is the, uh, I wouldn't call it a toolkit, but yeah. Let's look at the recent incident of uh, the Chandrayaan, you know, the lander and the kind of information that was available post the live relay and then, you know, uh, the guy Shenmugam finding the the spot. One of the interesting bits there is I ran through the video, you know, some time ago uh, because I didn't watch it live. Uh, When I saw the YouTube video of it and I realized that, uh, you know, once... At the very end, when the lander uh, was kind of in the phase of the last three kilometers or something, uh, mm. uh, and then you know they, it was getting intense, and after that, people didn't know really what uh, was going on so much. Yeah, and the feed froze. Was, uh, yeah, the the, the mm. kind of uh, uh, kind of panic was also set in uh, the room there, and for fifteen or twenty minutes beyond that, there was some commentary going on in the background by the commentators, you know, who were mm-hmm. offering some. Uh, some of the comments related to the mission. Hmm. But after that, there's a extremely long period of just deliberation, walking around and, you know, people just shooting them. Scientists just going right. around and talking to the prime minister and, and so on. So if you look at a lot of the accounts of uh, even astronaut program in uh, US where, you know, they're going to the moon and uh, hmm. the, the press briefings always have two particular briefings that are ready. Hmm. One which says, astronauts have died hmm. and the they, right. the the briefing is uh, made according to that and they and the statement is ready for it right or you know there's a statement that is ready for success right saying you know we have succeeded and this is what happened and uh, this is what this is what will continue happening right and so so it's uh, every time that isro succeeds you see mm-hmm. this uh, massive kind of statement or you know massive speech speech yeah. that happens right. uh, where uh, you know the chairman speaks for some 10 minutes and then all the mission director and whoever the xyz of the mission comes and speaks and you know says this was a fantastic thing and an, an achievement and everything else but right. when kind of failure strikes you almost have no addressing exactly. of the failure or no addressing of the you know the thoughts behind what could go on next and what is the process next and what could be the reason and what we right. will be thinking about. Right. And so I think that's a really a cultural issue, right? I don't think so. Oh, definitely. Really... Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's, it's certainly a cultural issue. And I think it also has a bit to do with, you know, uh, in terms of engaging with the media and in terms of uh, uh, putting up, in terms of putting up spectacles, ISRO is still a very young organization compared to, uh, for example, the European Space Agency or NASA. So if I had to sympathize, I would say that, you know, Maybe maybe they're not comfortable doing this yet. 
maybe they don't have the right people right now for it because for example i mean for for a long time the indian space program was sort of in its developmental stages and right now it's going out and executing things uh, right now things have become a lot more uh, sort of uh, spectacular uh, you know a lot of people a lot more people tuning in and also of course the mediums themselves have changed earlier you had just tv and radio uh, and newspapers and now you have websites all over the place you have blogs you have video you have podcast all sorts of things so you know if if i had to cut them some slack then i would do that uh, saying that you know then maybe they're not ready for prime time maybe they don't know how to deal with it and that's why they respond this way but that said i mean it it cannot be an excuse altogether uh because especially as we saw with chandrayaan which was sort of a recapitulation of mars orbit mission uh but only more extreme if it was a success i mean even in failures uh they came up with you know some sort of impression of success which was really bizarre uh especially sivan coming out and saying that mission was a 95% success 98% success i mean even if they sort of went completely quiet that would be better than coming out and trying to twist the narrative in ways in obviously in ways that you know you, you can just see through them that they're false uh that you know that something is definitely not right so even if they stayed completely quiet that's fine just coming out and not twisting the narrative you know that should not be done i mean it it should not be done also from the point of view that you know yeah you have some space journalists who are really sort of in the know and who understand how these things work but there are others who are just you know who will just latch on to it and sort of broadcast it and you know when you know that that's going to happen a little more responsibility would have been good yeah absolutely and uh one of the interesting bits for me as a experience of uh, chandrayaan 2 especially the whole uh, landing live uh, you know broadcast of that was uh, yeah. i was uh, i was in bangalore during that time and uh, okay it was for me fascinating to see the amount of engagement of the media for a science or a space event across uh, the the language spectrum across uh, national yeah. news or local news or or so on so it was almost as if there was a you know a live cricket match that was going on where india yeah, yeah. playing some other country when they opened the viewing gallery for entry tickets that thing was filling up really fast like like it was a cricket stadium or something that really tells and also you know one of the interesting themes there is uh, with the chandrayaan 2 the lander especially when you saw that even on youtube or wherever and people noticed that we didn't make it to the surface of the moon the public never discouraged us through to saying you know you you guys have not done anything right they in fact you know cheered them saying this was a really good attempt you should do it one more time we are proud exactly. of you and you can see all those comments there so the reaction of people inside of isro is kind of opposite to that because they i guess they feel that you know maybe by not putting out information or something like that they they're guarding themselves from criticism right right yeah but the public is actually not criticizing them for anything in exactly. fact they're encouraging them yeah nobody was criticizing them unless you know, until they started saying those really weird things yeah and uh, the other bit is of course uh, you know when you look at uh, the whole thing of uh, losing the contact with the lander hmm. for me i think we lost an opportunity there of uh, doing a nationwide public campaign of uh, promoting scientific thinking and uh, exploration by kind of setting up a you know like a national wide competition of finding uh, the the lander spot by releasing all the information you could have then you know put out a, a competition around it and then that would have sparked a huge public interest yeah yeah exactly and that would have been great pr for isro as well they become obvious as lost opportunities when something like chandrayaan 2 or something like that happens but 
this sort of culture of putting out information in the public domain. For example, NASA has this thing about releasing images that its uh, satellites or orbiters capture uh, into the public domain uh, within a specified time period, you know, after processing or whatever. Or withhold, or if you're going to withhold it, then you know you must have your reasons to withhold it. I mean, it, it can't just be really ad hoc stuff. When events like this come along, then you really start to realize, yes, okay, ISRO missed this opportunity. But the thing is, ISRO is missing opportunities every day. It's not just that they didn't do this during the Chandrayaan two, you know, surface surface mission failure thing. It's also that they're not doing this otherwise. You know, for example, on Vikram Sarabhai's birthday, you know, where they just updated their website and conducted a few events around the country. So stuff like that. So there are lots of opportunities. I mean, ISRO is amassing very large amounts of data. You know, we have orbiters around Mars, uh, around the moon. We have multiple around Earth. Uh, so every single day they can put out all of this information, uh, you know, instead of putting them behind a portal, in, in, instead of really, like just release them as a gallery, maybe under a less restrictive license. So yeah, so we realized during Chandrayaan 2 that, you know, it could have done this. But the thing is, it needs to do this all the time. It won't be good PR. It wouldn't have been good PR on just this one occasion. There is a lot here to work with and it's squandering thousands of opportunities. And I think that's a kind of a policy decision that the chairman has to say, uh, take that, uh, you know, that we will have a large, you know, public relations uh, office within ISRO, not just one PR contact for the entire organization who manages everything. Yes, yes, definitely. And in fact, I mean, even that person usually very hard to access. Yeah, I mean, uh, for example, when they had this, uh, uh, you know, launch viewing thing, they hosted this event, right? Uh, on September 7th, yeah, when... Uh, when the landing attempt was going to be made and they invited a bunch of journalists over to watch and everything. So even to get access to that, I mean, you had to get, you had to have some sort of a clearance from the state press bureau. So really these very bureaucratic things, I mean, I understand where these things are coming from, but it needs to be a bit more looser than that, you know, and not so, well, in this case, it was para- uh, it was bureaucratic, but in other situations, it might just have been paranoid. Um, so that sort of, uh, playing it safe and you know guarding yourself by not releasing information i mean all of these things are connected you know like you said earlier all of these things point sort of are embedded in a common culture and that needs to change and that's going to take a lot of time and effort to change but so yeah so need to keep pushing how effective do you think uh, rti is a tool uh, and do you leverage it for your journalism uh not often no um mostly because uh well lack of mental bandwidth but again with rti's also uh, i mean off late in the last few years at least we've been seeing there have been reports uh, and you know i've heard many first as well as second hand accounts of how the rti is being weakened you know even when you file rti's you don't always get the information that you do you need to phrase things a certain way i mean there is a lot of there is a lot of uh, nuance and work that goes into this but aside from that you know again that to me is a sort of red herring in the sense that there is a lot of information that i shouldn't have to ask for if you will give it to me, if I ask for it, that is fine. That is great. But I shouldn't have to ask for it. Uh, you know, this is sort of a reflection of the trustlessness concept uh, that you have in some other fields. And I'm sure you, you're familiar with that, wherein, you know, you shouldn't have to trust something uh, to work a certain way. It should just work a certain way and there should be no scope for failure. You know, similarly, I shouldn't have to ask for it because even when you have something like RTIs, you know, there are a lot of unknown unknowns. So you can ask for something only when you know you should ask for it. So RTIs, uh, me personally, for space stories, not so much. But as a tool, are they effective? Perhaps. I would say, you know, judge it on a case-to-case basis. There is no blank. Uh, I don't think uh, I can say at a blanket level that, you know, uh, all of these requests, will you'll be, you'll be able to strike gold. I think that is almost never the case, actually. 
and yeah finally you shouldn't have to ask for it it should just be available i mean there is a similar story with the 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 use of images uh, right uh, we we saw this with uh, those uh, posters for tv shows that are uh, and the film what is it mission mangal being made based on uh, based on uh, the mars orbiter mission wherein you know show producers could not use isro images freely even though there is no harm in doing that uh, especially when they are contextualizing it so properly so those sort of restrictions should also be removed i mean there is a specific license on those images uh, designed by the government of india i forget the exact name right now but there is no reason that uh, you know these uh, visual assets have to be on such restrictive reuse licenses they can very easily be on a creative commons license but i don't understand that why that is not the case for example i i cannot put the picture of the esl uh, pslv or the isro logo on my t-shirt I, i i should be able to do that you know and i would like to collect souvenirs like that but those things are not available which is quite sad common people can't access uh, you know scientists the way that we want to ask access the right. other way to do it is of course is to do it through your public representatives or politicians so for example right so when you yeah. uh, look at uh, for example the us uh, mm. there are certain groups of people in the us who are uh, senators or you know congressmen who represent the space industry and who represent uh, the voice of the space and so they ask these questions to the nasa administrator and you know whoever is responsible to the space program saying give me an answer for these questions and as to where is the direction we are going are we going to the moon are we going to the mars are we going xyz what are the missions that we are doing how mm-hmm. are we progressing are we competitive mm-hmm. enough against uh, china or wherever which of the country right. are our space assets good so there's a right. lot of deliberation there because for example uh, the vice president uh, mike pence of the us is a very strong uh, space ag- advocate uh, there's also another guy from texas uh, uh, who's a very strong uh, proponent for the space industry you know in india the, that's the thing right so you have uh, almost zero representatives who are in the public who understand anything in the space sector uh, can follow along and ask questions that are relevant uh, and in public domain and so one of the interesting things that i was thinking about is that uh, the only way that uh, that could be set up in india in a way that we already have in terms of institutions is through the parliamentary committee because right. the parliamentary committee is uh the one that is overseeing a lot of isro activities and uh, they are a bunch of uh, across the board representatives from all the parties right and uh, if the public if, when uh, questions through the rti are kind of diluted the answers are diluted mm-hmm. and there's no access uh, you know to asking questions and asking follow ups mm-hmm. the only way that could be done or uh, is through the parliamentary committee setting up a um, a kind of a Q&A session or something like that where they could ask questions that you know people could then ask questions to them and then they could ask those questions and isro right. should be able to then answer it right yeah this sounds workable yeah. but again you know i'm it's also amusing the extent to which we need to go um in the absence of simple press conferences regular press conferences by isro itself yeah but uh, you know the that's the only way i would say uh, i would say something like this workable because the involvement of the policy makers are also very important because let's say you know isro just does press conferences and there's no uh, the there's not much uh, again you know presence or interest from the the policy makers mm. then you have no independent thinking by the policy makers on any of the issues and they'll only go with what the 
people in isro suggest them right right okay okay yeah i see what you mean but my contention is that you know that seems like a more higher level event uh and that shouldn't have to be the case because when when that happens it's there's no guarantee that it's going to be regular there's no guarantee that's going to be even very accessible you see what i mean yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so i think the, you know that's uh, uh, an interesting topic to see in the future because uh, one of the things that i see which is a very strong uh, possibility for change in the space program is actually the really good involvement of uh, people who can understand the space program and you know may ask intelligent questions and right. are public representatives right yeah i mean right now the 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 most you see is some looks of a question and answer session yeah we definitely need more than that when you uh, look at actually the landscape of information especially public domain information mm-hmm. there is a lot of people out there who are uh, doing independent thinking they are putting out a lot of public domain information through means that they are collecting independently so we have i think none of them who are equivalents of that in india so for example let's take uh, you know uh, ts uh, keslow the guy who runs uh, celestrack right so yeah. or uh, you know the um, the guy from um, harvard smithsonian uh, jonathan oh. mcdowell mcdowell yeah 459 right? right so there's no equivalents of that to india i think that's one of the major you know drawbacks i see that we we should have more people who are you know doing that sort of a work which is uh, putting that sort of information out uh yeah definitely uh, oh this is very interesting okay i mean so i was going to say that you know there are there are i mean i don't know any of the real names uh for example shanmugu subramanian now who sort of everyone is familiar with now so if you follow his posts on reddit uh, he basically describes you know uh, the different kinds of details that he's putting together in order to for example after he found the vikram lander he said he was going to look for the chandrayaan 1 impactor probe the site where it crashed and i mean ts kelso and jonathan mcdowell have put together very large data sets uh, of the things that they are following uh, for example i mean both of them regularly sort of uh, stay up to date and post updates about uh, objects that are that have recently entered orbit or that are behaving weirdly in orbit but when it comes to sort of specific problems uh, you have a lot of these guys on the istro subreddit who basically piece together different kinds of information so uh, there is this one guy uh, let me just pull up his name just give me a second shankar vishwanathan um so he basically has been uh, taking uh, satellite uh, you know orbital position data and what uh, we know about satellite you know the mission profiles and the trajectories where they were launched from etc to create animations that he's been uploading on github and as well as on his website you know where you can really see uh, how these missions come together and you know uh, you can visualize things very easily these things you know you don't have to be an expert to use these uh, animations or these you know interactive properties uh, so there's a lot you can learn just by fiddling around with this so you have a lot of guys uh, and just that you know they number one i don't think they have been around in the industry for a very long time or at least not as long as you know someone like gunter krebs or ts kelso have been you know that they've been sort of pursuing i don't want to call this a hobby but this probably started off as a hobby but they are also sort of collating a lot of this data putting it together in specific contexts and so i would say the indian scene is not completely devoid of such people uh, it's just that they are few and far between again <laughs> i wish i didn't have to say this but again as a reflection of you know the amount of data that they have to work with so uh, so even among these guys you see a preponderance of uh, you see you see a glut so 
a lot of the stuff that these guys produce uh, has to do with, uh, you know, missions that were carried out by ESA and NASA because that's the information that's out there. Whereas, you know, there is very little that I can put together about ISRO right now. But yeah, so there are these guys who are doing this uh, sort of great work. But, you know, again, there has to be a lot more information out. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to put it, actually. I always try to do some sort of a comparison because I see that, you know, of course, the evolution of uh, kind of people and also the kind of uh, information that is putting out, we could, uh, you know, mature towards uh, more open uh, open kind of society and a an o- more open kind of information age. Uh, yeah. That's where, you know, the, the comparison is interesting because if you look at uh, Twitter or Reddit, uh, the space flight Reddit, mm-hmm. uh, subreddit, and, and also Twitter with... Uh, these people, then the, the amount of information right. is really exhaustive and very, very interesting. And there's a lot of lot of debate and discussion around that. I think uh, this is an interesting topic and uh, perhaps you should even uh, consider writing about it, the whole oh, uh, citizen, uh, citizen science and uh, a comparison between the landscape of uh, uh, the US, for example, and the emergence of some of these people like... Uh, uh, yeah, I recently, and... I recently wrote a profile of the people who are on the ISRO subreddit. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't name any of them, but yeah, I spoke to them and basically how they got into this and everything. So, uh, so yeah, so these guys are there, not as prominent as uh, Jonathan McDowell or Kelso, but they're there, which is heartening. Of course, I, I, I'm looking for a day when I, there's an Indian equivalent of uh, somebody like uh, Curious Droid and uh, yeah. Scott Manley, right? Uh, who right. does uh, quite a lot of interesting work, uh, you know, of uh, kind of decluttering information on uh, many of the space uh, events and uh, kind of also piecing together a lot of information that is available and uh, putting out a kind of a narrative that people can actually understand as a whole bit and uh, don't need to actually spend hours reading it or so it's a a kind of a, a very curated video right of uh, piecing together information and not having to follow. Let's say, you know, normal people who don't follow, you know, subreddits or, or Twitter right. feeds or, or whatever, right? So for them, I think it's a very handy tool. Right, definitely, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the wire itself and your efforts within the science section. What are your plans, for example, uh, for space? And, you know, uh, are you looking at uh, expanding some of the efforts uh, from uh, just writing the journalistic pieces to doing more uh, different Yeah, yeah, definitely. Work. So the moment we have more leeway in terms of expanding and stuff like that, uh, one of the things that I want to start doing, would like to start doing right away, is uh, publish more educational material. Uh, because we cannot always, I mean, uh, what you can and cannot write, what you can and cannot report on, is limited by what the audience already does or does not know. Um, so the more informed audience you have, uh, the answers to more sophisticated questions you can share with them. Uh, so we want to sort of bridge the gap that we're seeing in terms of the extent to which there is an appreciation of, uh, uh, you know, space flight and uh, satellite technologies and stuff like that. Is So we want to fix that by uh, publishing more educational materials. So by educational materials, uh, what do you mean? Can you give some examples? Well, the simplest and most readily available example is the explainer but instead of textual uh, i would like to do more video explainers uh, and i mean uh, these are not just you know a bunch of pictures uh, moving around but somebody actually standing in front of a whiteboard and talking about something 
to explain little concepts in a minute. For example, the gravitational slingshot comes quickly to mind, uh, you know, and I mean, it's, it's a really cool maneuver, but it's also really simple. Uh, and if more people understood how it worked, then, you know, then you suddenly have room to talk about more sophisticated missions uh, with fewer words in, in, a, in a shorter span of time. Um, we also want to publish uh, interactive visualizations wherein, you know, people can change, um, for example, to talk about orbital eccentricity. Uh, so basically, you have the ellipse and you have the major axis and minor axis. And if you vary these particular numbers as a planet uh, goes around the sun or some other star to see how its orbit changes uh, and to be able to, you know, intuitively understand why the orbit, uh, why the orbital mechanics changes the way it does or why the three body problem is so complicated. So stuff like this, uh, basically, that will allow us, um, I, I, I don't want to use the term to educate our audience, but sort of to sort of uh, broaden their horizons. Uh, education is something. Uh, slightly different, but yeah, broaden their horizons so that we can then uh, explore, you know, whatever we've opened up together uh, instead of sticking to very simplistic news reports and stuff like that. How do you think we could incentivize uh, more people who are from ISRO and who retire at a senior level to be more uh, active in uh, journalism? So, because I think that's a very uh, underrated thing uh, at the moment because one of the interesting bits there is that uh, you know since they have uh, done the trade for like 30 or 35 years and they have a lot more that could they could share unfortunately today i think uh, a lot of the great minds uh, you know either they are forced to share something on facebook on their for example mm. what uh, uh, you know tapan mishra does for example right right uh, but unfortunately a lot of these kind of people they when they come out, even for example, the former chairman of ISRO, hmm. or you can even could be some uh, mission directors or you know project managers or whatever position, right? I mean, you look at ISRO, you cannot separate ISRO from you know the chairman that have led it. Uh, and if you look at ISRO over the years, and then you talk about how it's been such a closed-off organization. I mean, there have been periods of relative openness, um, but mostly it's been marked by you know um, sort of. Uh, as an organization that lives behind very high walls. Uh, so this is a, when these uh, senior ISRO employees sort of retire, they, there needs to be an acknowledgement that, you know, they need to take up communication. Um, so I think that in itself is lacking. And uh, you also, of course, have people coming out writing books, but most of the books that you see that have come out, you know, especially the clutter books that have come out recently talking about ISRO's early days and talking about how the organization was under the leadership of uh, Sarabhai and Tavan and things like that. So that aside, you don't have many others writing books about you know stuff that has happened more recently, unless they're writing about it in technical terms. They're talking about rocketry or propellants or stuff like that. I think the only exception, as far as I know, uh, was UR Rao's book. So I think that acknowledgement itself is missing, you know, for them to sort of come out of the organization after such a long time uh, and then say that, okay, I need to write something. I want to end uh, the podcast by asking you, what would be the things that you would look forward to as something that you would expect to change or uh, within you know your own journalism or within the journalistic community as well as from uh, within ISRO? Well, within ISRO, I mean, uh, I think I've made my <laughs> wish list clear. One thing I should say that I'm happy about is there are, I wouldn't say a lot more, but there are noticeably more news outlets that are publishing informed articles 
uh, about the Indian space program. First post, first post comes to mind immediately. If you read around, you see a lot more publications that have something to say, whether it's an opinion or whether they're you know saying that ISRO says something. So that sort of has changed because in the, earlier I used to just read the Hindu, you know, which I and and perhaps the Times of India, which I think would be the case with almost everyone. Uh, but whereas these days there are a lot more places to get your information from, a, a lot more people are interested, and and that is showing up in the news cycle as well. So that is something that I'm happy about and which I hope will continue to expand in the coming year, uh, that a lot more publications will take this up and a lot more publications will sort of, uh, you know, not simply just scratch the surface, but go deeper and ask the questions and basically go on to criticize Israel itself, you know, instead of just portraying it as, a, it as this amazing organization that's doing a lot of great work. I mean, that is true. But at the same time, there is also a lot uh, left wanting. Uh, and... And I'm hoping that as more and more people do this, ISRO will also feel encouraged as well as I hope the relationship between the media and ISRO will improve to the extent that ISRO feels comfortable uh, sort of stepping out uh, and being friendlier with the media. So, you know, uh, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm gladdened by that. And that is my hope for the coming year. Thank you very much, uh, Vasu, for taking an hour out. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I hope uh, you you'll be covering a lot more space. And uh... definitely, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you for staying until the end. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to curator at newspaceindia.com. Please consider sharing this episode with any friends or family who may be interested in learning about India's space activities. If you would like to stay in touch with the New Space India community please use the link in the description to join the New Space India Telegram group. Feel free to also suggest guests for any future episodes. A new episode of the New Space India podcast is released every other Friday. Do subscribe to the podcast using Apple, Google or any other podcasting platforms you may use. Until the next episode, thank you.